Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 63, Jumpstarting Spiritual Disciplines. Yes, welcome and Merry Christmas. We're so <laughs> glad you're here with us today. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I am here with a licensed therapist and still the Argyle expert. Don't tell him, but I am getting him an Argyle vest for <laughs> Christmas. It doesn't have the HIMH logo, but maybe we can sew one on, baby. You're Hi. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just staring I, at me. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I knew that because I got an email from Amazon oh. and I'm like, what is this? Oh, oh shoot. That's probably my Christmas present. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's stocking stuffer. Okay. That's Matt and radio voice professional and the only professional among us, your producer, <laughs> producer Steve. Hello. Hello. So glad you're here. And we're coming at you from Grand Rapids. And we have someone with us in studio. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. We love having people in studio. I mean, we love our Skype guests, but it's so fun to be in the same room. Uh, But her name is Sharon Garlow Brown. And Sharon, I'm just going to I'm going to do your whole bio and then we're going to talk. So just bear with me. Uh, Sharon has her MDiv from Princeton Theological Seminary. And she's the author of the Sensible Shoes series, a spiritual director and co-founder of Abiding Way Ministries which provides spiritual formation retreats and resources. And since graduating from seminary, she hasn't been sitting around. Oh, no, she's busy. Uh, Sharon and her husband, Jack, have served on the pastoral staff of churches in Scotland, Oklahoma, England, and here in Michigan. And they currently live in West Michigan, hey with their one son, David. So welcome, Sharon. I am so glad to be here. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, we are so glad to have you here. Um, I reached out to you a couple of months ago when keep, people just like kept bringing up your name to me. I was like, okay, <laughs> like Lori, like when you speak and you teach, just remind me of my favorite professor, Sharon, because you are also, are you an adjunct professor at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary? I am, Seminary? yeah, okay. in spiritual formation. Yeah. Okay, people love you. Aww, you just get rave reviews. <laughs> yeah, or they're like, they'll ask me about just this whole, like, because I'm working on this whole author thing and this ministry leader and like, you should ask her. And so I finally... Um, reached out to you and you were just as delightful as everyone promised so that's really kind thank you yeah so glad to be here um well sharon we are going to do some of that deep dive into deep dive into jump starting whatever we're just gonna throw all the metaphors everywhere but we're going to be talking about spiritual formation later uh but before we do that sticking with christmas i mean we're just a few days before christmas as this podcast is posting for y'all but what is something unique about the way that you're celebrating this year? And why are you doing this unique thing if you are? And Sharon, we'd love for you to join us in this. What what's is there something new you're doing this year? You know, we're not doing anything um, unique or new, actually, because we've had so many changes this year in our Aww. lives. We're frequent. Um, our son has moved out, which is great. But being parents of an only child, we're suddenly empty nesters and so we're just doing some of the old familiar favorites Mm. and enjoying time when David is with us Um, and so one of our favorite traditions is the lessons and carols service and Mm. here in West Michigan we're blessed to have an English cathedral style choir I don't know if you guys know this I don't please teach us yes (laughs) the Grand Rapids choir of men and boys and Mm. their director Scott Bosher lived for years in England and he trains the boys in the English style and they do local concerts here in West Michigan. And it's just a wonderful um, time of year, a special celebration for us every year. Mm. Oh, I love that. Steve, how about you? Is there anything new that you're doing this year? Well, uh, yes, but I mean, we weren't super intentional about it. It just kind of happened with the friendship and the relationship that we've developed uh, with the family 
who are refugees and oh, came yeah. from Rwanda this year that we're connecting more with them and just kind of, I don't know, just learning about their traditions and, and what Christmas is like for them and teaching them what it's like here. Oh, um, so cool. that's, that's kind of fun. And also two grandkids, which last year we had one and he was, you know, oblivious. And now he is a little more clued into what's going on. That you he know. gets stuff. Yeah, that he gets <laughs> stuff and that there's, you know, trees that you can grab stuff off of. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, you know, we know that world. That kind of thing. Get so, rid of all the glass ornaments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So it's just a, a new and different, but it just it was like, oh, this is where we're at now. Oh, so it is new. Yeah. It's just like. We weren't super like intentional. Like, let's plan it this way this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we're doing anything new other than everyone else is probably traditional getting people gifts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because this is we what can I actually afford it this year. <laughs> we are, we've like crawled out of most of our debt. And so there have been so many years. I mean, ministry life, right, babe? High yeah, five. High five. <laughs> uh, so with school debt and then like car loans, you're like, and there goes half our money. So, uh, which wasn't tons to begin with. And so we don't want to overspend. And so there were some years I know because Matt and I love giving gifts and it's just, we're both like these mercy hearted people. And so people would be giving things to us and we couldn't give anything back and we would literally cry. So yeah, it was definitely a source of, of emotional pain that that we couldn't like really give people the, the gifts that we maybe more wanted to. Yeah. Um, And so we're actually doing gifts this year, but I also really liked what Nicole said um, online with the questions, she said she they were doing subscription boxes for their kids this year for their main big gift. So, so whatever that subscription is, they will get kind of it's the gift that keeps on giving over oh, the course yeah. of the year. They'll get something once a month in the mail that that was their Christmas gift. And I think that's an interesting way to just spread out kind of the the gift giving. I like that a lot. And you guys had some really great ideas. I'm just like reading some of these and I'm like. Guys are so like Advent focused and spiritual. I'm so impressed. Um, Bethany, I appreciate what she said. She said, how about planning ahead? I'm usually really bad at pre-thinking and planning gifts and it leaves me rushed and feeling like my gifts are not super thoughtful. So I pre-planned and purchased and thought about people for gifts this year. And I think because we've been so excited, we're like, what? We could actually purchase things. <laughs> and so we did the same thing, even though, as we mentioned a few episodes, it was like Black Friday via Kohl's. But whatever, we got to get that Kohl's cash. Cash, right, babe? <laughs> <laughs> Making the Kohl's cash. <laughs> Getting that Kohl's cash so you get paid to purchase. All right, even though we are already on the goofball island train, <laughs> let's just keep it going. Time for goofball island. And we're taking Santa's sleigh again. I just don't want to get off because <laughs> I like it and it's cozy and he has <laughs> nice shawl. <laughs> no, but you wouldn't have a shawl. He has yeah. swag. Yeah, yeah, and like a a vest? No, he would have a just a, cape. a big blanket. A cape? Wouldn't yeah. he just have like a big, huge, thick, yeah. down comforter? He's just got a beard in that. <laughs> Ew! I am not cuddling up with Santa's beard. And oh, I'm drawing the line there. And now I'm getting off. We're we're done, Santa. It's over. Okay, the game that we're playing is finish that carol, Sharon. God bless you, but you're stuck in this room with us if we play this game. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. Now, I am going to start. Now, you guys, you can't look at my screen, but you could. Okay, I'm going to start the the carol, and you guys have to ding in, not with a bell, Ooh. with your mouths. <laughs> Go ding, ding, and, like, finish the carol. Okay. Now, here we go. 
Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Ding ding. Okay, go. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Right. I am not going to lie. These get increasingly difficult. Mm. So if oh. you're proud of yourself now, yeah. not for long, Steve. <laughs> okay, ready? All right, this is Holly Jolly Christmas. Wow, I have to say all these words out loud and speak them. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, ho, the mistletoe hung where you can see. Somebody waits for you. Kiss her once for me. Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. And in case you didn't hear. Ding, ding. Yes. Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. What up? All right. Point <laughs> for Steve, a point for Sharon. Nice. Very, very good. All right, Matt, this is all on you, bro. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Little drummer boy. Our finest gifts we bring. Pum, 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 pum. Wow. I typed this and didn't think you. Lori, you have to say this out yeah. loud, but here I go. Our finest gifts we bring. Pum, 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 pum. To lay before the king. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Matt. Pum, 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 pum. Keep going. Rum pum pum pum. Uh huh. One more. Pum pum. You did it. (laughs) Everybody got point. Nice. (laughs) This might be my best game yet. We're gonna do it one again. Okay, don't peek on this one. On the twelfth day of Christmas, (laughs) I was waiting for that collective groan that I did hear in my head. (laughs) My true love sent to me. Can anyone do it? Okay, go, Matt. Come on, you're smart. I was just gonna say twelve. Um, 12 drummers drumming. You guys can work together. 11. Oh. Lords a leaping. That one's the P one. 10. Oh, oh Piper's, 11 Piper's, Piper's There you go. 10 uh-huh. Lords a leaping. Uh-huh. Yep. Nine, Nine ladies dancing. Eight there you go. Eight milk. Seven swans a swimming. Six, six piece of Five golden rings. There. Four calling birds. Collie birds. Right? I don't know. It says here calling, but they calling. can be straight yep. wrong. Four calling, okay. yeah. calling okay. birds. Three, Three French, French hens. Two turtle doves. And, and a partridge in a pear, pear tree. tree. All right. I think Matt gets a point yeah, on that. Although the Lord's so leaping, that was helpful. The, it was always, in the wrong place, though. The they were first. leaping early. <laughs> it's like 12, 11, and 10. That, that yeah, those are the, are the hard ones. ones. Well, yeah, because yeah, you only hear those like one or two times. Yeah. All right, Matt. And a piglet in a pear tree, <laughs> according to Winnie the Pig. <laughs> we Aww. have little kids. It is very true. Piglet. How'd she get up there? He? Yeah. He? Boy. Piglet's yeah. a boy. Yes. Piglet's a boy. Yeah. Lori. Insensitive. Okay. Ready? This is my favorite one. Mm. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super nosh. Go ahead and finish it, guys. Oh. Please tell me it's you're as cuddly as a cactus. <laughs> no. Because that's the only line I know. All right. All I know is I wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole or something right. Isn't that everybody? like that. Yeah. Any yeah, guesses? No, I'm, mm-mm. I don't have any All right. You're a crooked, dirty jockey, and you drive a crooked hoss, Mr. Grinch. We're not done. Your soul is an appalling dump heap overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of rubbish imaginable, mangled up and tangled up knots. Wow. <laughs> Why didn't you guys yeah, get very that? Very nice. <laughs> that was on the tip of my right, tongue. Right? That was the next thing I was yes. going to say. Yeah. You Perhaps. Know, after the cuddly is a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the English boy choir, they're going to sing it or nah? No? Probably not. Okay. I, don't, I haven't mm. heard them do that one. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do that for like their tongue twister in the beginning to that like could get be cool. warm-ups yeah um, that could be. i'll ask i'll ask the director about that would they would <laughs> they have good. to change some of the words to make them like english you know like like oh, english kind of swears see but nauseous <laughs> with a, a nauseous super nosh that kind of sounds like a little yeah, british slang nauseous, but isn't that like food I don't know. It's like it's with nosh? air quotes as in like, right. this ain't a word, friends. Okay. okay. <laughs> and rubbish. The word rubbish, rubbish is, is very, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that, very yeah. English. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
Thanks for playing my names, guys. This was really fun for me. <laughs> and Matt won, but he tends to I, win, I didn't win all the games. You had two points. Well, two-ish. I think we all got two points. All right. All right. Everybody <laughs> wins at Christmas. All right. Let's take it to the heart of the matter. Now, Sharon, we ask every guest this same pair of questions, so we're going to ask it to you. Yeah. Uh, because the reason we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so for you, when was the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still in that everyday part? Like, how is it still good news for you? I love that question. And I th- for me, it's been a series of ongoing conversions to the gospel being good news. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, a first awakening. I grew up in the church, but never had ears to hear mm-hmm. the gospel. Part of that was because I was such a little Pharisee. I didn't have that word back then, but such a good and obedient and fearful child that I really didn't see my need for grace. Mm. And when I was away in college, 3,000 miles away from home, I was awakened to my need for God in a profound way. But my first kind of entry point um, was accessing God as Father and the Lordship of Christ because mm. it was easy for a compliant girl who wanted to be good to obey yeah recognizing and receiving um, and naming christ as savior was something that i could do intellectually but i didn't see necessarily the depths of my sin that Mm. required rescuing Mm. and that was a series of ongoing conversions so one very um, profound moment i was praying uh, i was probably in my mid-20s early 30s was praying one day with the story of um, the woman who gate crashes the party at Simon the Pharisee's house. Hmm. And with her tears, um, she is anointing Jesus' feet. Um, she's wiping them with her hair and he receives her offering. Here she is a woman with a reputation. And, um, and Simon is scandalized by this. And so hmm. Jesus tells this story, um, the parable of debtors. And you know, two people who are both in debt, one has a very large debt they can't pay, one has a small debt he can't pay. Both are forgiven, and Jesus says, which one do you think will be more grateful? Hmm. And Simon gives the right answer at that point, probably with a shrug in his voice, so I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus goes on to point out all that Simon correctly, hmm. even though he's gotten the answer, right? That his heart is hard. And here's this woman who has been enlarged with gratitude, um, who offers Jesus the greeting and the hospitality and the welcome that Simon couldn't be bothered to offer. And Jesus closes with the punchline that the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And so I was praying with this text and imagining myself that I was there. And what I began to see was that I had way more in common with Simon the Pharisee than with the unnamed woman. Hmm. And I didn't like resembling Simon the Pharisee. So I asked the Lord to enlarge my heart with gratitude for him, not realizing that his enlarging my heart was going to include the revelation of the depths of my sin, um, the twisted and disordered desires of my heart, all the socially acceptable and culturally approved idols of craving honor and esteem and reputation and achievement and productivity and being useful in the kingdom. And it was just this wonderful, I mean, it's awful, isn't it? When the light shines in the darkness and we, we see how ugly and gross and twisted we, we are in our motivations and in our heart. But it was also this wonderful gift of grace that the more I saw my sin, the more I was enlarged with gratitude for the one who had paid the price for all of it. Hmm. And so that was, that's just an ongoing you know, conversion um, to grace, a conversion to being at rest in the love of God, which is ongoing um, 
all a matter of awakening. And that that's good news every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love the humility with which you articulate, okay, here were the things that, you know, the world celebrates that I don't want to because it's not what Jesus celebrates, like this esteem and honor. And it's so true. You can name any of those things. And I can picture, you know, getting your MDiv at Princeton or whatever, like, of course, you're going to want to pursue that. But for you to even name it here, like you almost hear it lose its power. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you don't get to have that over me right now. So thank you for that vulnerability. So your book, Sensible Shoes, describes four fictional women walking through learning spiritual disciplines. And that word, I know we've thrown around this podcast a lot, but we've never really broken it down. So what are spiritual disciplines and why are they important for us? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is kind of um, get out of the baggage that that they can be a loaded phrase. If anyone is listening and you have anything in common, I have a character, Mara, who as soon as she hears there's this retreat with spiritual discipline, she's like, yeah, no, (laughs) I already feel guilty and I haven't even gone yet. Yeah. So if we recast that a spiritual discipline isn't um, a yoke, it's not legalism, it's not a have to, a should, an obligation. It's not in the category of, well, faithful Christians, air quotes, are supposed to be doing this, but rather what if, what if a spiritual discipline is a regular way to practice being attentive to the presence of God? Hmm. What if a spiritual discipline helps us to practice receiving the love of God and resting in the love of God and then responding to the love of God? And so we cast it in that category and then it becomes an invitation that a spiritual discipline is a graced discipline. So I don't have the power to make myself more like Jesus, but I can practice things that will help me be more attentive to Christ's presence in my life and more responsive and receptive to his call. And that's what a spiritual discipline is. So it can be a very ordinary thing. I remember when I was, another sin confession here, but but um, being made aware by the Lord that I was in the grip of envy. And we never envy people who are really unlike us. Like I never envy an Olympic athlete. I have no yeah, Olympic, you know, there's awe. just, right. Yeah, yeah, there's an appreciation. But get someone that is comparable in terms of gifts or call, mm. and then the envy bug can bite, right? Mm-hmm. So the Lord had exposed some envy that I had about um, some other authors who maybe had um, better contracts or better Amazon reviews, whatever, any number of things. And the spiritual discipline that I felt called to practice was praying for God to bless the person that I was jealous of even more than he was currently blessing. Hmm. So that's something that I can say yes to. It's not in my flesh to want to pray that prayer, mm-hmm. but I can say, Lord, I want to submit to that. Um, I don't want to be gripped by this habit of the heart. And so this is something that I can do to practice and trust that you'll be changing my heart as I make that conscious decision mm-hmm. to pray. That, okay, this is a follow-up question then, because you know you read Richard Foster's Celebration of a Discipline, and he has all these specific disciplines that mm. it's like, Here's the ones you, I don't want to say should do because it's it's really not, he doesn't write it in that tone, but it seems like, okay, here's the list of things that are spiritual disciplines. But what you just named is essentially, you know, following the de- definition that you gave us of, okay, here's a way to both receive love and respond in love. And so what you said is a response to 
love your enemies. Yes. Pray for those who hate you, you know, bless those. So you just were responding to a verse. So is it is it that all the verses in the Bible have need to fall into these neat spiritual discipline categories? Is or is it that spiritual disciplines is simply a response and a desire to grow in intimacy with God? I love what you just said. And I say yes to that. That mm. these are ways to grow in deeper fellowship. Mm. You know, we, we it's a call to be awake. We're so, we spend so much time just sleepwalking through life, don't we? <laughs> we're inattentive, we're busy, we're hurried, we're rushed. So spiritual disciplines are just ways to help us remain awake mm-hmm. to the presence of God. On that awakeness, have you always been awake to, I guess, these practices or this response? Like you alluded to in your testimony, for lack of a better term, but just in the gospel's good newsiness for you in the past and now. Uh, like that it seems like in that process of waking up and, and seeing your own fallenness that may, perhaps this was the response. So was it was it simultaneously that you got into, again, air quotes, uh, spiritual disciplines, or is it more like, oh, I read Richard Foster's book and now I started it. So when was that start for you? I did read Richard Foster's book early yeah. on in my life with, with God, but I deeply resisted the practice of disciplines huh. for a couple of different reasons. Um, one being that bringing in all of my Pharisee tendencies, I was in the practice of trying to faithfully tick the boxes in order to be good for yeah. God. So I had to be yes. radically converted to grace. That had to be, huh. my whole foundation had to shift mm-hmm. before it was really wise for me to engage in the spiritual practice as a way not to earn God's love and favor, but because I was at rest in the love of God, these were ways to help me remain mm-hmm. in the presence of God. So I resist, but I have to tell a story. So the very first time I was had been in pastoral ministry for a while and was aware of the ministry of spiritual direction. And for those of you who are listening who may not know what a spiritual director is, they're people who have um, trained typically two or three years um, in ways of prayer and discernment and spiritual disciplines who prayerfully accompany you. You know, we all have these blind spots where we need help seeing what's what's true. And so a spiritual director will listen prayerfully to our lives and help us notice and name the ways that we move toward God, the ways that we resist God, the ways that we're growing in deeper friendship with God and the ways that we run away. So I said, you know what, I, I think I need someone that's that's accompanying me in my life with God. I, I, I want to go deeper in my life and my friendship with God. And I expected the spiritual director to assign me a spiritual discipline. Hmm. And because of where I was in my life at that point, I expected her to assign me the most unpleasant spiritual discipline possible, <laughs> imaginable. So I expected yeah. to come home with an assignment to fast. Right. And I went in, she asked a couple of questions, you know, tell me about your life with God. And at the end, she said, Sharon, I just sense that God is inviting you to practice. And I thought, oh, here it comes here. Because she goes, they're fasting. No, she said, celebration. Mm. Wow. And I had no idea what she meant. And I must have looked confused because she said, here's what I hear in your story. You have tried so hard to be good for God. You've tried so hard to be faithful. You've taken such care in your life with God and trying to be um, responsible in what he's entrusted to you with. I just sense that God is inviting you to relax into his grace and rest Mm -hmm. in his love. I didn't know how to practice celebration, right? How do I do that? And so it was an ongoing process of what does it mean to celebrate 
that God has loved me. It had always been so much easier for me to declare the love of God for others. Mm -hmm. But what does it mean to be at rest, to be able to say like John said whenever he described himself and called himself the one or the disciple Jesus loves? What does it mean to say that that's the most important thing that defines me? And I needed some spiritual practices to help with that. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones she gave me once was very simple. She said, you know, here, Sharon, it's, it's autumn. And how about if you pick a color? And every time you see the color, you practice the discipline of celebrating and remembering how God has loved you. Hmm. And so I did. I picked a color. And how many years later, 15 years later, whenever I see purple, <laughs> it is a precious reminder to me of how the Lord has loved me, mm -hmm. how he has seen me and how he's with me. So, so it can be something simple, but it's just meant to reorient us toward the presence and, and love mm -hmm. of God. And I can't help but in that story, think of the story of the prodigal son. Yes. You know, and at the end when, when the father goes out to the older brother, who's, who's the Pharisaical character and yeah. here, here there's a celebration going on yeah. and the older brother is unable to enter because mm. his response is, I've always done everything right for you. That's right. And never once was I even given a young goat, yep. you know, to celebrate with my friends. And so yeah. like for, for your story to like kind of mirror image, you know, that, that type of, I, I imagine that kind of discourse where, where the father is just like, come yes celebrate yeah. the celebration is here it's happening and yeah. you're invited yeah and it's ah i'm getting a little like teary-eyed so mm. it's it's just it's awesome it's, it's a beautiful a invitation beautiful isn't yeah. it yeah yeah uh and where's the button the hole in my heart worship button <laughs> we always have that moment like almost every podcast where it's like here's our worship set so thank you matt and yeah. thank you sharon for leading us there uh, I do need to ask this question because I will get this sort of facial response to me when sometimes we do these trainings and we're like, we invite people to lament or like to talk about things like this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeesh, like they're really, they're nervous about it. And even though I'm like, here's all the biblical arguments and let's look at David and Jesus and Jeremiah and everybody. Yeah. Uh, so is it, there's kind of like this stereotype of people who practice spiritual disciplines and it's like this ethereal Enneagram four, which I am a four, uh, like often female flower child mm, who is like, yeah. does these things. But I'm like, is it for guys too? And what about the Enneagram eights and the threes and the people who, you know, perhaps are the driven ones? Like is, are spiritual disciplines for everyone, this practice? They are. And, and but the, the beautiful thing is um, that they are uniquely suited for us, that God mm -hmm. takes an, into account our unique personalities, our gifts, our seasons of life. And so what may be very life-giving for me as an introvert, where I'm going to yeah. gravitate toward the silence and solitude practices, right. in order to be well-formed and shaped into to the image of Christ, I also need to be practicing the corporate disciplines that are, that are mm -hmm. harder for me. Mm -hmm. Someone, you know, and I think we, we get into these, these habits of thinking there are hierarchies of certain spiritual disciplines that are more spiritual than others, so that it means that I, my quiet time has to be X and Y. Mm -hmm. What if someone is most aware of the presence of God when they're walking or when they're outside, or they experience the presence of God in corporate worship as they're singing? That's good. Those are spiritual practices mm -hmm. um, that are well suited for us. But we also want to be aware of if there are ways that God is looking to stretch us and grow us beyond where we're comfortable. What are some of those practices that we can begin to, to look at? That's really helpful and so balanced to be like, okay, where are you, where do you both naturally gravitate? And yeah. then, you know, even though it's similar to the story that you were saying, like, oh, she's going to say fasting, fasting, fasting. Yeah. Like, yeah, we do need to do fasting. Yeah. But, so you can lean into both where you naturally gravitate, but then to stretch your, 
also just stretch yourself. So you walk in your book, Sensible Shoes, and the series, you walk these women through um, just several spiritual disciplines. And I'd love for you to just highlight perhaps some of your favorite ones that just stand out to you, or maybe you get the most response to, um, or maybe even resonate with you naturally. Like, which, what's one of them that's like, okay, this is one that is very meaty, and I find people really lean in here. Yeah, you know, I, I guess... As a starting place, I think the one that that really, um, I thought that I was already fairly attentive in my life with God, but the one that really caused me to go deep is the prayer of examine. You'll hear it examine or examine, Mm -hmm. but that it comes out of the 16th century and it's just a daily way of reviewing our life with God. Typically it's practiced at the end of the day um, or a kind of a noontime or end of the day. And it's what we intuitively do with young children where we may say, we pick up a child from school and we're having a snack Mm -hmm. or around the evening table where we may say to the child, tell me the best thing that happened to you today Hmm. and tell me the hardest thing that happened to you today. Well, in the prayer of examine, that's what we're doing with God, where we're having a conversation, we're prayerfully reviewing our day and saying, where were the moments today where I was brought to life? Where were the moments where I was aware of the presence of God? Where were the moments when God enabled me to respond with faith and hope um, today? And I want to just press a pause button on these moments and look at them with God and give God thanks and and maybe um, recognize some patterns that, wow, I'm typically brought to life when when these sorts of things happen. Equally as important, though, is that we, and those are kind of what we call the consolation moments, but we want to look at the desolation, the hard moments, too. So as I'm reviewing my my life, I want to talk with God about the hard things. I want to talk to him about those places where he seemed hidden, where it wasn't easy to see how he was working with me today. Um, And those are places that perhaps need to be grieved and lamented, like, where were you, Lord, and, and how are you with me in this? Um, or places where I resisted God, I turned in the opposite direction, I was overcome with fear. I want to be able to confess those as sins and receive God's grace and mercy. Or places where I was just depleted and discouraged and, and, and be prayerful about, Lord, in that moment, why was I so discouraged? Why was I overcome by shame? Why was I gripped by fear? Um, and have a conversation with God so that all of life becomes an opportunity to recognize how God is with us. Hmm. But again, it takes some intentionality. And I love that as a cumulative discipline. And as we practice, and it's only 10 or 15 minutes a day, as we say yes to that, we can begin to see patterns um, that may say something about our call, the ways that we're routinely brought to life, and also may say something about where we may be gripped um, with fear uh, Hmm. or resistance. Is that best written down or is it possible to just kind of sit there? Like, I just think it would be really hard for me to think through those questions without, like, I'd get super distracted. Is it best written down? I need the focus of writing down. I often don't know what I'm thinking until I'm writing, but that's me. There may be other people that um, maybe they're walking in the woods and they're, they're thinking it through and that that's good for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, for me, the journaling as a spiritual discipline, along with a prayer like the examen, that's my memory book. So then I can go back and look at the patterns, things that mm-hmm. I forgot. Oh, wow. I, I, now I, you know, reading it, I can see how God has been with me in these kinds of circumstances where it's hard for me to see. It's also sort of, sort of spiritual discipline that lends itself beautifully to community. So like I said, we can do it with young children, spouses, friends. Um, we can uh, maybe get together with friends for a weekend a couple times a year to just say, what are you noticing about your life with God? Um, so it's, it's a, a discipline that just is, can become very flexible. We actually used it in our congregation with our leadership team um, and prayerfully over a number of weeks said, let's prayerfully uh, examine 
in our congregation's history, the places where we have responded to God with hope and faith and obedience, where God has brought us to life, where we can notice and name and recognize God's presence with us. Let's celebrate that together. And let's look at the places where we have resisted God, where we have turned aside from God, um, where God has seemed hidden. And let's lament those things together. Let's confess those sins together. And it was a wonderfully rich corporate practice mm-hmm. for the congregational leadership. I want to circle back to lament in a second, but I actually wanted to pause and ask Stephen, Matt, which you guys don't represent all men on the face of the earth. But when you hear that, because I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And I'd love to dive into those emotional depths. And I'm like, let's do that on a date. But then I can envision Matt's eyes like going wide and being like, uh, this is too deep right now. So in hearing that, like, does that sound like you're like, oh, that sounds great. I would love to dive into that. Um, Or what's you guys response to that sort of I don't, reflection. I'm drawn to it. I mean, there's so much that you're saying that is like really resonating with me. I, hmm. I think just the last thing you said about um, in a congregational or corporate or leadership setting, talking through, thinking through, and then celebrating and confessing things that we have to celebrate and things that we have to, to confess uh, as a corporate group, you know, um, that really, I don't know, that just really spoke to me, just even thinking of my family. Hmm. Uh, but also, I relate to, to writing. I think it helps me to know what I'm thinking, to know what's in my heart if I take the time to, you know, to write. So yeah. those are just a couple things that are standing out yeah. for me. Yeah, as a non-writer, um, <laughs> like I'm much more of a verbal processor. I, I also, I like the corporate disciplines because verbal processing you typically are doing with someone else directly um and and even like more recently my own and i've said this before but my own like understanding of confession is like almost like a a sacrament type of um exchange where it's it's the grace of god being placed upon you um like, cause I'm picturing like a date scenario where I'm like, let's talk about the pain of our heart and also the joy of our heart. And you just being like, Err. but I can see you in our small group with our guys yeah. where perhaps some of those same questions are being asked in this corporate way and it like opening you up. So I don't know if it's yeah. just, we well, got marriage issues or like, <laughs> I just am curious about guys. Cause again, some of the stereotype but, of these deeper questions is it's for women only. So I just love hearing your yeah, perspective no, and too. I, I think they're, they're very important for guys. And I, and I don't think the, the deeper conversation is something that I'm avoidant of as much as sometimes the deep hard. Like hmm. I, I know very long ago, well, probably goodness. One of the, the questions that we ask is, is there such thing as like deep joy? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so like the, the deep dark questions tend to tend to come up and, and as myself, and I can only speak for myself. I don't like to feel like trapped there hmm. where it's all about, confession and almost no emphasis on the celebration piece yeah Mm. and and i mean that comes out in a lot of different ways that i want to also enjoy and remember the good parts of life whereas those those deep those deep talks those heartfelt talks often can i i think be skewed more toward this is where the pain is Mm. and And you feel like you live there and are trapped there yeah which is would be an unbalanced approach to Mm. this whole spiritual discipline conversation 
Well, to continue the unbalanced, and sorry, honey, we'll hopefully circle back. But well, there's been some joy here, so that's, yeah, okay. that's good. Okay, I, we've I laughed. We're trying to do some balance here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, again, like we talk often just about the necessity for lament, especially when we're talking, we, we teach a lot on sexuality and just like these hard conversations with, you have with your family. And so getting that pain out, not on your kid or mm-hmm. not on XYZ person, but on God. Yeah. So when you describe lament or you teach it, like how do you go about that in a way that isn't, so despair focused, but it's biblical and and cathartic. Mm-hmm. What a great question. Well, and I often will frame um, lament as the spiritual discipline that helps us to return to the love of God when we doubt the love of God. Hmm. So, um, lament is these are some oh they're so they're so brave these prayers right no atheist yeah. prays a lament prayer no. um, only those who know um, the power and the goodness and the faithfulness of God and trust um, God um, in his love are able to feel disappointment when it seems that God is not acting consistently with who we know him to be hmm. and so lament bridges the gap between those things Lord I know you are this and in this moment in my life, in this season of my life, I don't see how that's true. Hmm. And so laments are, are very, um, very bold prayers. Mm-hmm. And they, they're a way that move us gently toward hope. You know, people will say often that lament follows a pattern. Some of them do. Many of them don't. And our grief is never linear, is it? It's a, it's a circular sort of thing. Hmm. Um, and so lament gives us language when we don't have language and often in grief, we don't have language. So to be able to um, have words provided for us that give a framework and a structure for how do I say the hard things to God that I may be reluctant to say. Hmm. And much of my time as a pastor and and more recently as a spiritual director is, is spent giving permission to people to say the hard things to God. That Hmm. one thing God doesn't say to us is get over the pain. But those of us who perhaps, if we grew up in a home where we were told, you know what, go to your room and figure it out and cry it out. And when you're ready to have a reasonable conversation, you can come out. Mm. If we're not careful, we'll project that as an image of God and say, well, that, and that's how I'm supposed to be in my life with God too. I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to say the hard things. I have to kind of figure out how to move on and, and figure it out. And, and lament really, I often use the example of our, our son. You know, when he was young, if I did something that really upset David, my preference was always that David would crawl into my lap and beat my breast and cry rather than go to his room and shut the door and try to figure it out on his own. On his own. Cause when he's in my lap beating my breast and expressing his sorrow and his anger, there's communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what lament is. It's crawling up into the lap of God and saying the hard things and knowing that God holds us in those things. And mm-hmm. again, we have to be, we have to trust that God's not going to punish or reject us when we say what's true. You know, we, we deceive ourselves thinking that there are things that we can hide from God, <laughs> our anger, our bitterness, our disappointment. Um, these are things that God knows. And if we are not offering them to God as prayer, we do have an enemy who would love to capitalize and turn them toxic. Mm-hmm. And so if it's not becoming prayer, it will leak um, and it can turn into bitterness and self-pity and a hardening of heart where we, we doubt that God will ever be faithful, all these things. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it needs to be prayer. Oh, absolutely. That's so good. In that imagery with your son, and I I know I've, you know, in that quiet listening prayer and perhaps lament, like I've envisioned myself there, but just to really see, like, he's not going to let go. Like, even when I, in my mind, get up from his lap, like, I'm just, I could still always be there. And that's the sweetness. Again, the fruit of these practices is it really, it, 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 
really melds the worlds, like the spiritual life and your right now life. So there's almost no separation. So you can be in the right now and in pain and also be in the lap of Jesus and be okay. All right, we're going to just cover one more. And if you guys want to deep dive into more of these, just get Sensible Shoes in the whole series and just read it. It's good. I was reading it on the plane. I was like, no, I need to read other books. I'm like, but I want to read this one. So it's so good. Um, but the prayer of imagination, what is that? Uh, again, we, we've we talked about that somewhat. We'll talk about it. listening prayer and some people are like, oh, the imagination's the devil's playground. <laughs> so right, right. you see people freak out and I get it and it can be, but God also created the imagination. So help us out, Sharon. Yeah. Like, how can we engage this in a way that's just actually is theologically sound. Yes, yeah. Well, and and, and to follow on your your great point, Lori, um, God gave us imaginations, but we see the imagination of God in the life of Jesus, who knew the power of storytelling, right? Was constantly calling us to engage our imagination. A man had two sons, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A sower went out to sow. The kingdom of God is like. And so um, I understand where we get nervous about the imagination and and being afraid that we're going to be led into, into, you know, dangerous places. And so it becomes an issue of trust. Lord, if I'm going to enter um, this story, this scene with my imagination, with my senses and picture that I'm there, I need your spirit to guide me in my thoughts and in the feelings that are stirred. So practice of imagination, I'm going to enter a gospel story with Jesus. I'm going to watch what Jesus does. I'm going to listen to what Jesus says. I'm going to bring my senses. What do I see? What do I hear? Some of them are very sensory in terms of touch or smell. And I'm going to picture myself there. I can picture myself there as um, a neutral observer or go one step closer to perhaps being one of the characters, one of the, the people that's interacting with Jesus. So a couple of examples from my life, and you can kind of see how the Spirit draws things up from the well. This this is a way of praying where we trust the, that God will put a mirror up to see what's true in us. Hmm. So um, for instance, I remember praying one day with the scene of Mary and Martha hosting Jesus and Martha getting really irritated that her sister was not helping with the meal, but instead had taken the posture of a disciple at Jesus' feet, which was unheard of for rabbis to have female disciples, but there Mary is. And I decided that day to pray um, with the agitation of Martha. And as I watched myself interact with Jesus, and as I heard Jesus say to me, Martha, Martha, Sharon, Sharon, you are worried and distracted by many things. Hmm. Only one thing is necessary. Your sister has chosen the good part. It will not be taken away from her. And I felt my agitation and flare rise because I don't like to be publicly corrected. That's my mirror that goes up. And in my imagination, what I saw was I crossed my arms, stared at Jesus, kind of flounced onto the floor and said the following words, fine, get your own dinner. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's not in the text. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was in my heart and the, and, and the spirit reached in and pulled out some latent resentment that I did not realize was there. Mm. Another example, I was praying with the resurrection stories, particularly um, one of my favorites in, in John's gospel where Mary Magdalene realizes that the gardener is in fact Jesus. It's just this beautiful scene where he speaks her name and she realizes who he is. And I've been praying with that and and I love Mary's story. And then I shifted to a scene in Luke where um, the, the disciples from the road to Emmaus have come back with the news that they've seen Jesus and the disciples say, yes, um, he's appeared to Peter. 
And every, as I imagined myself there, I was becoming more and more agitated and frustrated. And so I began to pray and said, all right, Lord, I need to know why I'm so agitated. Hmm. And I realized that I was there in the room as one of the women saying, wait a minute, guys, we've been telling you all day that we saw him and you didn't believe us. But now that Peter's seen him, Hmm. you're good. And I realized as I went forward in prayer, I was in a season of my life where I was feeling disregarded as a witness. And again, the spirit opened something up Hmm. in me as I entered in to the story. Hmm. So just perhaps go into it, be be prepared to be surprised at where God might lead you. This is a distinct, this is not Bible study. This is a discipline of prayer. Mm -hmm. Bible study is essential that we know how to to study the word well, but that's a different discipline. Hmm. I was really nervous the first time someone said, how about praying with imagination? I'm like, yeah, no. (laughs) I don't know what the rules are for that. It feels out of my orthodoxy box, all these different things. But I have seen um, the gift of that. And and one kind of final story, it it was in the news um, about 18 months ago because of the movie Silence, um, the movie of the martyrdom of the missionaries in Japan. Hmm. And um, Andrew Garfield had been cast as the Jesuit priest and was told that in order to play the role, he had to say yes to 12 months of spiritual direction And part of what he was doing was being guided in prayerful imagination through the narratives of Jesus. Hmm. And when he got to the narratives of the cross, he said that he could not picture himself at the foot of that cross and see Jesus suffering and not have his heart moved. And he became a believer as a result of imagining himself at the feet of Jesus as Christ suffered and died. So the power of imagination Hmm. and be open to the possibility of what God might reveal. And that's the critical piece, isn't it? Like be open to the possibility that God might reveal is trusting that God can actually reveal things. Yes. I think we get so uptight and like we have to protect baby Jesus and it's like, but he's also Alpha and, o- and Omega. Yes. Like he, right. he can't, he is in charge. Yes. <laughs> no. And so as long as we're not like drinking in the poison of lies and deception yeah. from the deceiver, like that's just such a critical part is yeah, he is God and he he will show up. I know when I started this practice, like I was so scared. I'm like, what if God doesn't show up? What if he doesn't show up? And <laughs> right. I've walked people through similar practices probably h- hundreds of times now. I've walked people through things like this and I am always both shocked and yet like there's this sweet smile that comes up when they see things like about Jesus that I'm like, yeah, that's the same Jesus I know. Yes. Like it's not yeah. some other God. It's like, oh, it's like this other facet of him that I get to see, but it's there's never this shock. It's always like, oh, there's Jesus and you see yes. him too. Yes. It's so, so precious. Yeah, I love that. So Sharon, uh, we are about to turn to the new year. And if someone's like, okay, all right, maybe I want to start something. Like I maybe I don't know what to do. What's what's a first step without chewing everything or running the marathon? What's one step that they could take towards some of these spiritual disciplines? Yeah, I think one one preparatory step is just saying, Lord, um, give me a deeper desire for more of you. And mm-hmm. and it's going to look a, a first step may look very different depending on where someone is. So if someone's listening and they're saying, you know what, I, I don't even know what this love of God thing is. Maybe that simple discipline of choosing a color and practicing when you see a color that you're um, quickened to remember how God has loved. Mm-hmm. I have one character who, because she has been rejected all of her life, has no concept of, of how God has chosen her. And so her spiritual practice is 
every time she sees her reflection in a mirror, in a car window, in a microwave oven, she practices saying, I am the one Jesus loves. Mm. He has chosen me. He will not reject me. Yeah. So that could be a start. And, and maybe you're, you're here tonight, you're listening and you're thinking, I've never said honest things to God about how I'm feeling and I didn't know I was allowed to. So maybe your first step is saying some hard things to God and trusting mm. that God holds you in that. Yeah. Um, so just a, an encouragement to be prayerful, um, to have do it in community that we're not meant to live alone. Mm. And um, walking in, in community can be, is such a, a rich and, and wonderful gift that God has given us. So mm. just one person who, um, you know, you can mutually pledge to one another to be the sort of, person to one another that you want the other person to be for you. And that's a trustworthy steward of our stories. Mm, I love that. And I'm, I didn't check to see, but I'm guessing you have both the series, the sensible shoes series, but as well as like, is there guides that people could do in small groups? I know that there were questions at the end of it. And then you lead retreats too, that are like community based. I that's know right. some yeah. people I really respect and love are a part of them and they love it. Yeah, there is a study guide already out for Sensible Shoes. It's a 12-week spiritual formation guide. So there are five days a week of questions. First about the characters, because it's always easier to see truth in someone else's life before we see it in ourselves. But then the mirror goes around with some in-depth questions. It's daily scripture and ways of prayer. And that's designed for individuals and groups. The rest of the books, Two Steps Forward, has an eight-week guide. Barefoot has a 12-week guide. An Extra Mile has an eight-week guide. They are all releasing on March the 5th. And again, they're designed hey. for individuals and for groups that's to walk so together. Great. Well, that's a really, really good timing then. So you can get the Sensible Shoes one that's already out, but then yeah. there's more coming in a few months or yeah, a couple months. That's right. And the retreat schedule is on my website too, okay. if you're interested in where I'm going to be. And I will definitely link to all of Sharon's things. And so just on our podcast episode page at himhministries.com. So thanks so much, Sharon, for being with us here today. It was so delightful. And I'm just so glad people kept saying your name and referring to you because I was like, yes, okay, this this is meant to be. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, yeah. I love having conversations about Jesus and what he's up to. So thanks for giving the, the space tonight. Yeah. And thanks for guiding us so beautifully. Uh, for all of you listeners, again, I will um, post some links so that you can follow up here and, and do the next thing, as we often say around here. But our question of the week for next year, next year I can say that, not <laughs> just next week. Um, but what is your word for the year for 2019? I know it's so weird to think about how long we've been doing this podcast now, but we reflected on that last year. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll do a little reflection as well as perhaps a word that God is stirring within us for 2019. Um, so we'd love to just hear that from you all and just some of the reasons like, why do you think that is? And I liked how last year too, we just kept checking in with each other. And so we'll continue that for 2019. Wow, that's crazy to say. And this is also our last offer, you guys, for those of you who want to support the ministry and get a HIMH podcast shirt. It's an American apparel, like vintage. It's whatever. I just don't like picking junky things. And so they're really nice. And so if you support us, a one-time gift of 50 bucks or more, uh, we'll just send you that. Just give us your size and tell us you would like that shirt. Or if you just start donating, uh, just to really give us a high five and um, just to say, we really appreciate what you guys are doing. A donation, a regular monthly donation of any amount, and you'll get the shirt too. Just let us know the size. Thanks again, guys, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I feel like we need to do some sort of carol. We can go back and see some of the... Uh, like we can do Drummer Boy. Just kidding. All right. Canon in D. Canon yes. D. With like the rounds. 
Are you envisioning? I hear you singing in your mind the like, the what trans is the trance? Yes, oh, Matt. Yes, all about it. We could not do the Christmas season without it. Okay. It's just, I have a feeling Steve's going to throw it right at the end. So from all of know. us to you, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next year. works he'll just do some mic checks so this mm-hmm. is how it will sound so when we're talking it's kind of weird you feel like okay this is straight up npr like snl joking them. <laughs> but it is like that it has to be like all right here's talk the talk no 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 i'm thinking parks and rec now yeah. aren't I? oh yeah this is thoughts for your thoughts, thoughts for your thoughts <laughs> i'm you filling in for Ivy filling in for you. Who is filling in for me at my normal station? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's totally it. So it is like that. And just try not to laugh too much about it. So you get used to it, or ho- at least we do, episode 63. Um, uh, but yeah, so you can just start talking and Steve will get your levels. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're testing one, two, three. Yeah. There we go.